God spoke this word to me earlier in the week and I haven't been able to get away from it. And so I don't know exactly how it's going to unfold. So I'm just going to just see it. Let the Holy Ghost do it. And we're going we're to go from there. I want to read to you from the book of 2 Timothy. Chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 3. And through the 6th or 7th verse. Paul speaking. He said, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first. Now I want to thank you, Miss Tanya. Everybody ought to mark this passage of Scripture right here. You need to grab this for your children. That blew my mind. I thought we might have a few people come. I couldn't believe how many of you came fall ago for family members. And I don't know how many of you came for a child, you know, that came and brought your child and called their name on this altar. But you need to mark this and listen to what Paul says. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first dwelt in your mother Lois and your mother Eunice, or it's really pronounced Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in you also. Now, if you've got a Christian heritage, if you've got a godly heritage, and you're a born-again child of God, and I want you to notice something, the generations here. From Grandma to mom, to now Timothy. Paul says it, because I know what was in your grandma, I know it's in you. So I don't care how far that kid gets out there. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they're messed up in. If it's in you and you have handed that through the generations, I believe it's in that child as well, even though they don't even know and realize it's working. Why do you think in the book of Acts that Paul said to the Philippian jailer, if you and your house can, if you can believe, even your household can be saved. So I'm telling you, if you're a family line, see, I can go back and look at my family. And in my family, through grandparents and great-grandparents, we've come from a godly Pentecostal family. Now, we may not always act like it. Some of us may have not ever truly yielded to it or given to it. But I'm here to declare to you, it is in my DNA, and I cannot do anything about it. Jesus is in my DNA because of my parents. Now, I didn't make that up. That's the word. So Paul's coming to this young man by the name of Timothy, whose name means honoring God. But he's also got another definition. It means a worshiper of God. And Paul says to Timothy, listen to this. I'm going to read on. He said, therefore, if there's a therefore, there's a reason it's there. There. 
He said, therefore, he's given a command. Something, an action is getting ready to take place. I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I'm here to declare to you one thing this morning. It's time for you to stir up what God has on the inside of you. He didn't tell me to stir you up. He said, you stir it up. Come on, you stir it up. It's already on the inside of you. If you're looking for revival, I heard Miss Bethany say it a while ago. Revival is in us. They had no clue what I'm preaching today. Every song up there was going along with what I'm speaking to you right now. I heard her say a while ago, revival is in us. So if it's in us, why are you looking for it? If it's already here, why are we running here and there? I'm hesitant to share a dream, but I never had a dream like this the other night. I was in a dream that I dreamed all night, even though I woke up and got out of it probably three or four times. But go right back to bed, go back to sleep, and go back into the dream. And I knew there was a significance about it, and I'm hesitant, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it anyway because I, I don't really have full understanding of all the meaning of it, but yet I think I do to some degree of what God is doing because I believe he was showing us, he was showing me where things are at. First of all, I saw myself, me and Diane, and Diane knows how I am. I'm not the most scheduled individual in the world. She'll tell me, you know what? You ought to uh, really think about what you're doing, especially when it comes to me making, you, you know, going places and doing this around town or through the day. I might run to Walmart, come back here, and, oh, I need to go somewhere that's right next door to Walmart. Turn around, go right back there. That's just how I function and operate. I know none of y'all do, but I do. But here's the deal. It wasn't about so much about that as though I was going at, uh, you know, some might say I've got a heavy foot. I was running like at super speed. And I was just coming and going as fast as I could go, coming back and forth. And it was like she's questioning me. What are you doing? It wasn't a negative thing. She's just, it, it was a part of the dream. And, and then I remember I'm fishing and there's a strong wind blowing. But right where I'm fishing, I see a young family. They decide they want to go swimming. So they strip off naked and they jump into the place where I'm fishing, right in my fishing hole. I thought that was interesting. What, what, and I'll maybe bring some definition as I saw it. See, I told you, I'd get up, but it's the same dream. And then, then I got up again and I come back and now I'm at this big like warehouse place and and, and, and there was a storm outside and it's blowing and, and my mama was there. Now, y'all know my mom's been gone a long time. And if you would know my mom, my mom was a servant at heart and she loved to serve people when they came to her house. But it also spoke to me of generations. But in this place, I saw two different things. I saw a big table spread. 
and a massive table, but I saw it was though it was a black tie occasion. And I saw people sitting at this table and yet it's here in this massive place like a warehouse, I wouldn't want to say, but I really believed it was the church. And I saw this family sitting here and they were partaking of this fine meal. But then over here, it was though it turned into a, 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 a more like a shopping center and everything that you want, everything you could get and everybody was going through, but nobody was paying attention to what was going on on the outside and nobody was paying attention to the storm that was coming. And the next thing I know that it hit the building, it didn't collapse it, but it rocked it. And I could not find my mom. And there was something about that, that, that troubled my spirit. I said, Lord, where is she? I, I can't find her. Now, let me back up, and I think I can explain, because when I wake up out of things, see, it's a weird dream, but it was I know it was all connected, because that's how much of the culture has gotten, that we are running around madly trying to go here and there, and really not paying attention to the time or things that are going on around us. I thought it very strange that we're out here trying to fish. That's speaking to me of harvest, but while we're trying to to fish, there's people that are just enjoying the stream. And I thought there's this young family and they just pulled off their clothes and jumped in and all I could really see was their backside. And I thought, why are they naked? And then the Lord revealed something. A verse popped out to me out of the book of Revelation where he spoke to one of the church and he said, you realize you've got everything, but you don't realize that you're blind and that you're naked and that you're wretched and have nothing and then I thought also, I thought, Lord, we have become an uncovered, we've become an uncovered generation. We're not going to submit to an authority of any kind, let alone submit to God. And then what was weird in that same point was the guy had a pair of glasses that was so weird as he was looking through these shades I call them sunglasses, but they were totally different than normal of, of what we looked through. And, I, and I'm here to tell us that the culture, the generation that we are in is looking through the strangest glasses. Their view of God and everything else has become so different and so strange. And I'm still thinking about my mom because my mom was like this one called Lois, a person of the faith that we all should have been established on for years past, but somehow our foundation has gotten moved. We're no longer looking at those things any longer and we're making our own foundation and we're trying to live our own life. So when I go to the house, yes, we're going, a table has been spread, but there's very few people really sitting at the table, even though it's large. It's a black tie affair. The table was so spread. I believe that's what God God is saying, I've laid out something so great for you, so wonderful, but everybody's back into the shopping. I'm just coming to see what I can get. I'm just coming to get my little heart, to get my little need, nothing wrong with that, but we have still left our foundation. Are you okay? No wonder we're in a time where the Jesus Revolution movie has so risen up. 
And if you want to know what Asbury College is, again, we've talked a lot about that. I don't mean to keep repeating, uh, repeating that, but the whole par- process of that wasn't about a worship service that went on for days. It was about kids, about a generation turning their heart back to Jesus to say, Jesus, we've got to have you. It's funny how we take everything that we see and we make it more, make it different than what God intended. But I believe that's what God is saying to us. There is a storm blowing. We are running and we're moving at jet speed and we're trying to obtain and we're trying to get. And yet at the same time, we're coming up short of the things that God wants for us. Let me get back to Timothy. I told you it was a weird dream and I was hesitant. to. And if you've got some interpretation, I, one reason I call Miss Judy when I have crazy dreams like that, say, hey, help me. But let's go back to Timothy because in the same day, God spoke to me and he said, tell the people it's time for them to stir themselves up. That word stir means to rekindle. It means to re- rekindle. If something is... Being re, it means it's already been ignited. You just got to stir it up. One definition talks about it's, it's stoking the embers. I think that's what it is. Is that what you do when you stoke a fire? You, you move those embers around? It's not that you've gone out. You've just burned out a little bit. You still may have a little bit of flame. You're just not the log you were a few weeks ago or maybe a year ago. But I believe God is saying it's time for you to stoke the flame, to stoke those embers, because if you can get it stoked, even in you, you're going to cause a blaze. I noticed something back in our last no. I wanted to do an illustrated sermon, and I was going to do it with it. I noticed that day that it sleeted. Y'all remember that? A week passed. Man, it was on the ground for a long time here. But a week passed and I go through different parking lots and I still see piles of snow, possibly two weeks out in different parking lots. There's still piles of snow, even though it's melted to get melted away everywhere else. Why was it lasting so long on that parking lot? Because it had gotten shoved up in a pile. It had gotten close to that uh, to other things that are cold that was going to keep it alive. There's been a strategy of the enemy. If I can separate you, I can burn you out quicker than you, than you. I can burn you out. I can cause you to melt faster than you would if you were in the group and you were close to somebody else. It's time for us to poke the embers, to stoke the fire a a little bit of our life. It's time for us to quit blaming that, quit blaming this and stir it up. Paul is speaking to a pastor. He's not just speaking to a son. He's speaking to the pastor, a leader of a church. This is Paul's second letter to him. Paul was, or Timothy was Paul's, we would call him spiritual son. Now notice something in here. When we go through this lineage, it talks about his grandma and it talks about his mama, but it don't talk about his daddy. Because when Paul finds Timothy, he finds him on one of his very first missionary journeys. And no doubt, his grandmother, possibly his mother, were his, some of his very first converts to bring them to Christ. And he brings Timothy along as he sees something in Timothy. 
And so he has now spiritually fathered young Timothy. And now Timothy is leading the church at Ephesus. And great persecution has come. Great trouble has come against the church, against Timothy. I got news for you. We shout and sing songs of victory for a purpose. I believe those songs are written for, for a purpose because it tells us even though there's trouble and even though there's trial, we got victory in the Lord Jesus. Every song that we sing up here is to remind us because you're gonna go back out in a few moments into a real world and you may get slapped before you ever get to the four-way stop. Something may happen, the enemy throw a, a trick on you. I'm not trying to pronounce judgment and gloom and doom. I don't know about you. I don't live in the heavens. I live in an earth. I walk around here where things fall down around me, where sometimes my tire might go flat. My car may run out of gas. I don't have enough resource. Anybody but me ever had that happen? My shoes wear out, my clothes, my feet hurt. I got all kinds of things that happen because I'm in this world. But that's why Paul says to all of us, but thanks be to God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, be ye unmovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. See, we don't sing these songs. See that song we sing in uh, the song about the miracle a while ago. This is a house of miracles. You ought to hear. Hey, can you put those verses back up to that for a moment? Will you do that for me, Miss Mindy, back there? Throw it up. Go. This is a house of worship. This is, put me one of the verses up. From where every demon trembles, where we proclaim your name. Keep going. You have our full attention. You have the final say. Keep going. There's resurrection power. Your blood rolls through our veins. Your kingdom triumphs even over the coldest grave. Keep going. Is that it? Oh, come alive. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. Go to, a, there's a verse in there where we bring, is there not a verse in that? Is that it? There seemed like there was a line missing that I'm looking for. But if you want to know, there it is right there. That's the bridge, I think, right? I should have asked for it. I still believe you're moving. You know what I hear when I hear that? That writer was saying, God, I'm really not seeing anything. And, and then when he goes to the next verse, I still believe you're speaking. I, I got an idea, Charlie. He's feeling, I haven't heard him in a while. God, I've been desperate praying over this situation, but I haven't heard you. Go to the next. Here it is. God, I believe you're working. Maybe what he's looking at through his natural eyes at the moment may not may nothing be happening. Maybe it's going the other way. But Emily, he's saying through the song, I believe you're working all things for my good. Even when I don't understand it, Lord, you are still in control. I read a story the other day or heard a story of a man back in the, I think it was the late 1800s. He was a very, very wealthy businessman. Very, very wealthy businessman. And him and his wife desired to have this child. And he has this, they have this, this little, I believe it was a baby boy. 
And it wasn't long after he was born back in that day, he got ill and that baby died. Their heart was crushed. They were broken. And he went from there that he began to start making great investments in, in properties and in, in the stock market and such as this. And then he had a couple children, had a couple daughters, beautiful girls. And then it wasn't long after that, that all of a sudden, whatever happened in the economy, it all collapsed. And it looked like everything that he owned was gone. And a few years later, his children, his daughters were growing up and him, his wife and daughters we're going to make a trip out of the country across the sea. I think going possibly to England. I don't know exactly where they were heading, but they're on a ship that was going to take several weeks for him to get there. And he's back at home trying to restore and take care of business. And so while he's gone, he gets a, he gets a telegraph one day. The boat that your wife and daughter's on has hit another boat. And it has sunk in the ocean. Your wife made it out, but both of your daughters have perished. He got a ticket as fast as he could, boarded another boat, and he headed to go find his wife to be with her and comfort her through this dark, dark period of time. That when he arrives there, there was a captain that evidently knew about this and knew he was on the boat that took him out to the place where his baby girls, no matter how old they were, had made their watery grave and he would never see them again. And while he's standing on the end of that boat, looking into those waters, he begins to pen the words and the verses to the song. It is well with my soul. Wow. I don't remember all the verses. I should have remembered those to even bring the story. It just came to me. But you see, you don't even realize the songs that we sing and what we do, where they come from and what they were wrote out of. But he had to encourage himself. He had to stoke the flame that was on the inside of him or he would have perished. And Paul was saying this. He's telling us it's time for us to stir up the embers that are on the inside of us. Church, we have a heritage. As a body of believers, let me say it like this. I know this is all over the map, but just hang with me. We have a heritage. Most of us that are Pentecostal charismatic, all that we can talk about really is the revivals that have been before us. We talk about the great Azusa Street movement. We talk about the great generals of the faith that are before us, that have gone on before us, but they are not with us anymore. We are now in charge. It has been put in our hands, and young Timothy has been given to church. Paul is getting ready to depart, and matter of fact, he says, Timothy, 
Timothy, you'll know this passage of scripture in 2 Timothy 3. He said, the times are perilous. Men are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of of God. They're self-centered. They're self-focused. They're in all of this. And he goes on. He said, they profess to be godly, but they deny the power thereof. And he goes on and tells Timothy how wicked things are. But the whole time he's talking to the preacher. He's talking to the pastor. Timothy, I know the faith that is in you. And I know what was in your grandma. And I know what is in your mama. And I'm telling you, Timothy, because when I found you, I put my hand upon you. And I released, I released the power of God into your life. I blessed you to live this thing out. Stir it up, Timothy. Don't sit there and die. Stir it up. Does anybody ever get discouraged in this place? I got to thinking about Timothy. Why did, why did Paul have to? Because it sounds like when I read this now, it sounds like I've got a preacher as the worship team is coming back. It sounds like I've got a preacher that's discouraged. Why do we get discouraged? Why did this happen? Why did Timothy have to be provoked? Notice again, it's the stuff on the outside. All of the stuff of the day, the, the, the culture of the day was so dark and so bad. And listen, if you're going to live in CNN and you're going to live in the news feeds, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be disheartened. I, I saw a text from my friend Ted Shuttlesworth earlier. He's crying out how desperate we need revival when our nation and our president is, is doing everything he can to turn this nation and cause it to collapse. And you may have voted for him, but I, I'm here to let you know it won't be long. He's passed bills to every state in this nation to take our currency away from us and to make us a a country that will not have dollars in our pockets no more. It will be valueless. Everything will be done by a card. And here's the deal, church. If you follow the line of all the countries that this has happened to, it has caused major trouble, and it controls the people, and it really sets up for the Antichrist to really take over and begin to rule not trying to be political, but you have to understand these things trouble our hearts when we hear it. Out here troubles our heart. Maybe, maybe there's another thing in here that troubles our heart. Maybe, maybe we've lost sight of our purpose. Maybe we've lost sight of our purpose. You you know, I hear people all the time. I hear people all the time say, I don't know what my purpose is. I, I don't know what God wants me to do. I've got an answer for you. I think even sometimes for the best of us, even all of us, I think we can miss it because here's my purpose. I don't know whether I ever get to preach on a platform again or whether anybody else will pay attention to me. Paul says to Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anything I'm supposed to do, it's just be a witness, to be a light, to be a revealing of who Jesus is. Whether you hold that mic, whether you play those drums, whether you do that keyboard, whether he's on a get tired whether you ever have a title or not our responsibility is to say I'm a child of the most high God and I'm not ashamed of it 
I know there's more to it, but that's primary. If you're ashamed of saying, I'm a child of God, if you're ashamed to say, I'm a believer, if you're ashamed to say, I am sold out to Jesus, forget about any gift you'll ever use because you will misuse it anyway. Listen, I know all kinds of gifted people, gifted spiritually and not spiritually. I believe we've got people in the, in the secular world playing playing on major band, you, you know, platforms of the world that are playing some of the most ungodly, most unholy stuff you could ever hear. But you know what I really truly believe? Most of them, if they would be honest, come from a godly heritage and they've seen the nonsense of the church and they felt the persecution. So they turned away and they went to the world trying to find a reprieve. But the bottom line is they don't realize they've got the DNA of heaven in them. And I believe that guitar and I believe those drums and I believe those horns and I believe those gifts were always meant to glorify God. From every genre of music, from every genre, I'm just using music, just one little area. Whether it be country, whether it be rap, I know I told somebody they were talking to me this week, talking about some old bands. What are you talking? I don't even know who they are. All I know, men, we grew up in Southern Gospel, the Stamps Quartet, Jake Hessen, who are Lanny Wolf? Uh, who are some of them? Uh, who's that guy? Uh, Gold City. See, y'all know some of those. That's what I know. I, I don't know those other people. Who? The Gaithers. Oh, man. See, y'all like those things. We grew up there. But I believe there was a reason that Timothy was discouraged. Could it be that Timothy is just. He really wasn't as mature as he thought he was. You know, sometimes we think we can be a lot further along than what we really are. And we're not tested by our knowledge of Scripture. We're tested by the trial that we get into how we stand. And Paul said, listen, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of who I am. He said, I've got a chain I'm dragging. When you read through that book, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of my chain." I'm not ashamed to be bound. Yes, he would rather be free. Yes, he would rather. But you have to understand something. I got an idea. If Paul wasn't locked up in jail, we wouldn't have two-thirds of the Bible or the New Testament anyway because it had to settle him down to pin the thing so that you and I would know about the grace of God and the goodness of God and what God has. Sometimes you don't realize why you're going through something. It's to settle you down. I'm not saying God put it on you, but God can take advantage of it and he can make the enemy pay. It's like the woman, you probably read it the other day. She was in desperate need, a little widow. She was crying for God. God, my cupboards are empty. I want you to fill the cupboards of my house. And she was crying and crying this out in prayer. Her window was open, so her atheist neighbor heard her praying. He said, I'll show her that there's not a God that hears. So he goes to the grocery. He loads up a bunch of groceries, sets it on her her steps, knocks on the door. She walks out and she's screaming, praise God. God has answered my prayer. God has answered my prayer. He jumps out of the bushes. He said, your God didn't answer your prayer. He said, I heard you praying through the window. And I went to the grocery and I bought all those groceries. And I put them on your doorstep. 
and she just kept shouting, hey, God, thank you, God. You've answered my prayer. He said, what do you mean your God answered your prayer? Yes, he answered my prayer and he made the devil pay for it. You probably saw that. But it's a true statement sometimes. But maybe we're not as mature as we think we are. And we get discouraged. There's something wrong with getting discouraged. Let me, let me encourage that for a moment. That's why he had a partner called Paul. That's why he had somebody. He said, don't be ashamed of this gospel, nor of me, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. And he said for this person, purpose, because he has saved both of us. I'm telling you, if you don't have a reason to stir yourself up, then you think about where he brought you from before you got born again and where you could be. See, I believe revival is on the inside. I truly believe that. If you were here on Wednesday night, I gave everybody and I'm going to give it again today. I'm challenging you to a 30-day challenge. And a 30-day challenge is this. Every day that you will pray, God stir revival in me. Well, pastor, I thought you said it was already there. I did. But evidently you don't recognize it. So he needs to stir it so that you can start seeing it. So I'm gonna ask you now, that will carry us almost to Easter, to Good Friday. I dare you do that with me and see what will happen with us as a people, what God could do with and through our church if we truly would stir ourselves.